welcome to the Healthy Doctor Podcast. My name is Dr. Steve Sartori, and I'm the director of CMDA's Center for Well-Being. At CMDA's Center for Well-Being, we strive to help doctors align with God, optimize their well-being, and maximize their influence. On this episode, I'm excited to speak with Doug Waisaki Johnson. Doug is the executive director of Luminos, a nonprofit organization that facilitates group conversations around themes of wellness, calling, and spirituality. Luminos has worked with many groups, including physicians, hospital leaders, clergy, and parents, helping them support one another and live more fully into their calling. He is an ordained pastor in the Evangelical Covenant Church and has served churches in Vermont, Illinois, and Massachusetts. Doug is the author of three books, Sacred Conversations, Connecting Our Spiritual Lives with Our Work in the Field, published in 2017 with a team of writers, Called Together, published in 2008, and A Balcony Perspective, co-authored with Dick Broholm in 2000. Doug is married and lives in Burlington, Vermont, with his wife Catherine and children Isabel and Soren. When he isn't pursuing his calling around work and parenting, he enjoys kayaking, hiking, skiing, and reading. I'm looking forward to this conversation with Doug. Doug, thanks for being with us today. We appreciate you joining us. Good to be with you. Well, great. Uh, You are the executive director of Luminos, and many of our listeners are not familiar with Luminos, as I once was not. How would you describe Luminos? What do we need to know? Luminos is a 90-year-old faith-based nonprofit. Some of your older listeners might know us from our previous name, Faith at Work. Our belief is that the world gets better, gets more the way God intends it to be when two things happen. One, when we're living out of a sense of our call, and two, when we are living in authentic relationships with each other. So when we say call, we, we mean um, something. We, we take a page from Luther and others who spoke about calling as being the whole of your life, not just your work life, but your relationships, your engagement and involvement in the community and in church and other civic organizations. So we take a very holistic view of calling. It's about all of our life. Secondly, it's calling is about both ourselves and it's about others. So it's, it's about the particularities of our life, our experience, our gifts, our strengths. But it's never just about us. It's always about making the world more the way God intends. And thirdly, we believe that call, our call is always changing. It's fluid. So different things happen in our life. Uh, a job change happens, a health crisis, a child is born, a parent dies, and that can adjust and change our calling. So we, we help people to get a sense of what their calling is at any time and place, and to do that in relationship with others. We feel like call is best discerned and supported in relationship with others. So that's, that's what Luminos has been about for a long time. Mm, so calling and relationship, and, and uh, this integration of faith and who you are as you bring that into the workplace, is that right? Yep, in the workplace and other places. But, yeah, that was the, the, the origins of, of Luminos. Were, we uh, were uh, 
it was started by an Episcopal priest who had this radical notion in New York City to bring people together on a Thursday night in a church basement and just talk about what is it like to live your faith out in the world, not on Sunday in church, but out in the world, where you are, whether you're a stay-at-home parent or working for a paycheck or volunteering. And that was really, uh, I think, his genius, and we really tried to continue that strand throughout to say, what does it mean to live faithfully out in the world where things can be a little complicated? Mm. I would say complicated is a good word to describe our healthcare marketplace, <laughs> for sure. So I'm curious, how did Luminos get involved in the marketplace of medicine? How did you happen to develop or get called into this space of physician well-being? I think it's kind of a God thing, actually, Steve, because we, 10 years ago, we knew nothing about physician well-being and, and really not that much about physicians. We didn't set out to work specifically with physicians. We decided that we were going to take those two pieces of our values importance of calling and the importance of authentic relationship and find out if anyone in the marketplace was interested. And so this was partly from a sense of mission on our standpoint of wanting to make an impact on the world. And honestly, partly it was, it was a financial decision saying we, we had primarily been supported through people's contribution and we wondered if we could develop something that would be a fee-for-service kind of opportunity. And we set our board out to talk to people and just to try to find out what the needs were out there. And one of our board members, sister, happened to be a chief medical officer. And so he was talking to her, and, and the script we gave our board members uh, ended by asking the question, who else should I be talking to? And when this board member finished with his sister, who was the CMO of a hospital, and he said, who else should I be talking to? She said, me. <laughs> you should talk more to me because this is exactly what I feel like the physicians of my hospital need. They need a place to connect with the why of what they're doing, and they need a kind of structure to support one another. So it was really her. We, we credit her with starting this work, and that was 10 years ago. And that, of course, as you know, was kind of the start of when people began talking about physician well-being and physician burnout. So, again, we were lucky in that sense of we stumbled into it and mm. uh, have not looked back. Yeah. God is directing all the time, even when we think we're stumbling, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. And, and this woman who was a chief medical officer, you mentioned something about getting into the space of what her doctors needed and finding ways to support the doctors. So what does that then uh, practically look like? What, how did you enter that space? Well, it's, it's continually changing as the physician well-being space is changing, but uh, there's a, a few components that been part of this. We, we have a facilitator, a luminous facilitator, who's assigned to a hospital, and most of our work is with hospitals, although not all. And that facilitator is sending out weekly emails and gathering people on a monthly basis for conversations. And we have a couple different meeting formats and a retreat and just one-on-one -on -one well-being coaching. So that facilitator has been the primary way in which we've delivered a, a, a well-being presence in the site. That's beginning to shift a little bit now, and in the future, I think we're going to start trying to develop and equip 
physician well-being committees so that uh, the work is happening through a local physician well-being committee. But either way, some of the components will be the same. We try to deliver content and we de- um, deliver facilitated conversations. Mm. Facilitators that come from Luminos, are they not local people who are the Luminos facilitators? We try to find and train local facilitators, but many of our facilitators, like myself, actually come from a distance. So we will be there a set number of days per month, and we'll be in town, and we'll, we hang out in the physician lounge. We Again, we host and facilitate meetings. We spend time with the leadership of the hospital planning and strategizing about ways that we can gather physicians. So the ideal is that there is someone locally, because that's obviously better in terms of uh, having a presence, but we feel like the most important thing is having a trained and well-equipped facilitator who has the skills and gifts that we need to, to um, be that kind of presence in the hospital. Mm, so what uh, are some of those skills and gifts that you look for in a facilitator? Well, depending on who I'm talking to, we work in both faith-based settings, hospitals, and, and secular hospitals, but in many ways the role is, I, I define the role as a chaplain for physicians. It's really someone to be there, uh, again, to listen, to support, to guide. We're, we're not therapists. We're not executive coaches. It's really around supporting the physician's well-being. So that can have to do with work-home balance. It can have to do with staffing kinds of issues, uh, frustrations. And as you know, every physician struggles with things that they can't control in the healthcare environment right now. So relational skills is at the top of the list, and that's both one-on-one relational skills as well as ability to facilitate conversations. And, you know, you've probably been in small group settings, Steve, and you know that it, it looks simple, but there's a big difference between a well-facilitated meeting and one that's not. And, and as we know, physicians are so busy, and sometimes you just get one chance to catch them. So the meetings have to be well-designed, well-thought-out. I consider it a, an incarnational approach to our work. So like Jesus, we try to, to be aware of who we're in front of and try to understand what the issues and the personalities are that we're dealing with and be sensitive to those. And again, I, I consider that a kind of an incarnational approach. That's a challenging uh, thing with the physician groups is to get them conversing around things in a meaningful way that is not just what we call shop talk, huh? Yeah, it, very much so. Uh, there's a number of challenges. Uh, of course, the busyness. So, uh, really uh, helping physicians to see the value and the importance of this. Once we have them in the room, it goes pretty well. But before that, so figuring out how to to encourage them to participate when they are so busy themselves is one of the challenges. But then how we structure that meeting in a way so, uh, just as you say, to get below the shop talk is, is really an art or a skill, I guess. And I think one of the things Luminos facilitators do well is they build trust quickly. We, we, um, we know how to ask questions in a way that can invite, never coerce or force, but invite people to be more vulnerable. And that's, that's such a hard thing for physicians. You know, everything in their training, oftentimes, and how they're wired is, 
is set up against vulnerability. You know, they're sitting in a circle with other physicians. Some of them are, are people that they refer to. So to, to have them be honest and authentic about some of the struggles and challenges is difficult. And I, I would say I notice a difference. We, we have some meetings in the morning right at the hospital, and then we have some evenings that are gathering in a physician's home in the evening, and there's a there's a difference there. You can tell when people are out of the hospital environment, they're just a little more relaxed, feel a little safer. That tends to be a, a little bit of a deeper conversation. Yes, I remember reading an article talking about the casualty of collegiality, and doctors do not commune one with another. They do not connect as much as in days before, and uh, so I really appreciate what you're doing and intentionally gathering doctors together, preferentially even outside of the hospital in a safe place with a facilitator who can build trust and get people talking about the things that really do matter in life. Yeah. I mean, some of the most powerful sessions have been uh, there in the evening gatherings. Well, for every meeting, there's a topic or a theme, but the evening gatherings, there, I, I remember a recent one where the, the theme was grace. And so physicians are invited to tell a story from their own experience of medicine about a time they've experienced grace. And not at my prompting, but one of them began telling a story of a time when they had made a mistake, a medical error that had significant consequences. And they were expecting punishment. They were expecting lawsuits. They were expecting understandable anger, and instead they received understanding from the, the patient and the patient's family, and they, they named that as, as an experience of grace in medicine, and that, what we see over and over again is if one person is willing to be vulnerable and open themselves up a little, others see that, oh, I, I guess it's okay to be honest here, and that led to other stories around medical error, which I think is really one of the things that is, uh, you know better than I, it's really one of the things that is at the core of some of the fears and vulnerability that physicians face. It's, it's their worst nightmare. And so to have a chance to name that and talk about it and have that heard and received and not judged, I think is a very healing thing. So when that happens, it's, that's the magic. That's the, that's the spirit at work, I think. Wow, that is something that doctors do not particularly do well at, exposing themselves, their frailties, their mistakes. We are taught to be superheroes and not admit fault. And that's a challenging piece, so it's really great that you're able to draw some of that out uh, periodically. And then others, as you say, once one becomes vulnerable, it can become contagious in a good sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, wow. Now, one thing I got interested in, Doug, is you were telling me uh, a while back about how to do this. You're considered doing this virtually. What happens when you don't have a critical mass of doctors in one particular place at a meeting in a home? But you've had a bit of experience with that, and if you're willing, I'd like you to share about that. Yeah, because it's such a challenge, not only the geographic issues, but just, again, the busyness so you know, trying to find a time when when that works for everyone is pretty much impossible. Well, it is impossible. So that's another reason we decided to pilot these dedicated cohorts. And 
those are uh, evening gatherings, but although we, we, we find the people who are interested, gather them and poll them to see what time would work best. But we run that online. We use Zoom video conferencing so people can see each other and talk. So we meet that way in that format. And we've had meetings where one person is at home, another person is still at the office, another person is in their car pulled over to the side of the road, another person just got out of the gym. And so it's, it's an example of it's not ideal. Of course, we would rather be sitting in the same room, but it's a way to try to make more accessible this kind of relationship, and it, and it tries to, to accommodate some of the schedules, busy schedules that people have. And I was a little skeptical, honestly, about whether we could get to that level of authenticity doing this online. And some sessions have been better than others, but we've had some that have really been really marvelous, and, and people have been willing to open up. I, we call them dedicated cohorts because this is the other piece that is so important in groups is in the development of trust is, is seeing the same people. So while it is online and that's not as good as face-to-face, it is the same people meeting each time. So they commit to a, a six-session structure, and it's once a month. And so they're at least seeing the same people over those six months. And you know how it is where you begin to hear someone's story and learn about someone. Uh, it just helps you. That, it, it helps the space to be more safe because mm-hmm. you, you know, you've heard each other's stories. As you uh, speak from a facilitator's perspective, what are the common themes that you weave into the framework for these series of connected or dedicated cohorts? What are the common themes? What's the framework? Are there certain topics that you use? What does it look like? We vary them somewhat, but there's, there's some themes that we hit consistently, and one is calling, because that's true to our mission, and we believe that, that's, that at a deeper level, that is one of the primary sources of energy and engagement on the positive side and can be uh, a form of burnout on the other side. So we, we, we talk about what calling is. That's a, a strange word for a lot of people, and um, it's a great concept because it, uh, whether you are a person of, with a, a religious orientation or not, that concept of doing what you do from your deepest values and what brings you meaning. So, so we talk about calling, uh, we talk about compassion and compassion fatigue, uh, there's a session on leadership, there's a session on how do you survive things that you can't control in medicine, because we found that that's something that is pretty common to most physicians. Um, we talk about resiliency tools, so we want to get some practical stuff. We kind of weave that in. We try to have each session where we're offering some kind of tools or something you can do in between meetings. And I would say, you know, stepping back a layer, not only our dedicated cohorts, but in our whole program, about half of it is dealing with the professional issues of the physician, and the other half of the time we're talking about just what it means to be a human being because we feel like both are important. So whether it's our weekly emails or, or our um, meeting content, sometimes we're really dealing with issues specific to physicians, and sometimes it's just what does it mean to be a human being in this world and how do I take care of myself, how do I tend my soul, how do I renew my spirit? 
how do I balance, uh, am I tending to the important relationships in my life, those kinds of things. Yeah, life is integrated, isn't it? It seems like we are all of who we are, whether we're at work, whether we're at home or whatever. We tend to compartmentalize so often, but that integrated approach, that whole person approach is important for our patients and for the care of our doctors as well. Yeah, exactly. We, we are, it, it, just as you say, if, if you compartmentalize those things, it, it, it doesn't go well in the long run, does it? You know, it, uh, you can be doing great professionally, but your family life is falling apart. And conversely, if, if things are going on at home, that things are not going well there, it, it impacts us at work as much as we try to deny that. It, it usually filters in somehow. It can be take the form of yelling at a nurse or being distracted or, 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 or anything. So trying to, to deal with the whole person is important. As you deal with doctors, where do you see their own spiritual or religious faith enter into their perspectives and their conversations around well-being? Yeah, it, our groups are interesting. Uh, unlike um, Christian Medical and Dental, our uh, Groups will have a mixture, so we'll be in a in a meeting. We'll have a an evangelical Christian sitting next to a Buddhist, sitting next to a, a, a who knows what, and so they're all in there together. And I have to tell you, some of the best conversations we've had is when we've talked about faith, religion, and spirituality. If we've done our work to make the space safe for people, if it's trustworthy space, then people are willing to share from their deepest values and talk about the things that matter most to them, and particularly for people who are religious, that's, that's quite often a key part of their resiliency strategy. So it comes out pretty quickly, and, uh, you know, we'll be talking, uh, we'll, we'll put out a question about what is it that renews your soul, and, and someone will talk about being in worship or singing or, or praying or something like that. And... You know, it's, it's, we've really had great conversations about that. So I actually enjoy the, the mix of that. And I think that's one of the pieces for us being a faith-based organization. We know how important spirituality is to resilience. And we know what a tool it can be combating physician burnout. So we're not shy about entering that into the conversation. And we, we do it respectfully, knowing that there's most likely diversity of belief in the circle. But we don't shy away from that because it's so critical to resilience. And you know, from our standpoint, the deepest form of calling comes from listening for, for God's presence in your life. Whether or not that's true for someone else, we, you know, we, we, we want to give space for people to talk about that. Well, there's a certain art to doing that, and it sounds like you have just the skill set to do that quite adeptly. Uh, sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> I, I would say this. I, you know, I celebrate and appreciate organizations that are overtly based in a particular tradition, like yours is, and, I, and there's, there's similar Jewish physician organization and Muslim and probably every religion under the sun. So I feel like there's a place for all of us, and, and our calling is we're a, we're a Christian organization that has been called to work out in the world in secular ways. And I, I think I said this to you once, that I, I think our particular 
charism or calling is not as much evangelism as it is kingdom of God work. So we really believe if we can help any physician, regardless of their faith background, be the best physician they can be, drawing on their deepest spiritual resources, then, then that's participating in the kingdom of God. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's our theology around doing this work. We have a whole side of our organization that is um, retreat ministry and all for anyone that is more overtly Christian. But in this particular piece of our mission, we're, we're working with, with whoever's in front of us. Well, you mentioned earlier this sense of, you know, much of the work we do is related to the medical profession, but much of it is just simply related to being a human mm. being. Mm-hmm. And God is our creator who has created us in his image. There's commonality among all of us when it comes to religion and spirituality. So certainly there's plenty to talk about when we enter that space, and it's an engaging place to be if you're willing to go there in a non-judgmental, in an inviting way that just continues the conversation. Instead of turning off the conversation, it extends the conversation. And who knows what God might do with that down the road, right, in opening up avenues for even more conversation about these things. That's absolutely right, and and I really believe that if there's a a quote, I think it's attributed to a woman named Paula Darcy, and she said that God comes to us disguised as our lives. And so what we try to do is invite people more deeply into their life experience. And, And I do believe, it's probably some version of what you just said, I really do believe that if you can invite people into their deepest experiences and be reflective about that and share that with another the chance of encountering God goes up. I think the person, who knows how God works? I don't, but, but it feels like if people are in an experience of being heard and received and reflecting on their life and what is important to them, it just, uh, I know that's true for me. I have a, a better chance of encountering God in that kind of space. Well, creating those kinds of spaces for reflection is really a luxury for doctors, it seems. I I know that when people have the time to take that, be it on a retreat, be it on a group at home or wherever it is, we don't slow down enough to simply think about the things that matter most or the things that are deep in meaning for our own personal lives. So I thank you for inviting doctors and challenging doctors to do just that. Yeah, I think you're right, and we sort of, we believe that a we would love to take people away on retreats all the time, and, and we do that. That's part of actually the weekly emails that we send, is there's always a question for reflection. And our, our, our hope is that while a doctor is driving home at the end of a long day, that maybe they're uh, sitting at the stoplight reflecting on that question. And so it's a small little time of reflection. Sure, it's not a, a weekend away, but it's something. And, and yeah, if we can all be a little bit more reflective of why we do what we do, and also more self-aware about how we're doing. I, I think that's one of the real issues with burnout is, and this I hear from hospital leadership and others, is that the, the physicians that they're most worried about are the ones that, that are burning out and have no clue and don't realize it. So we really feel like part of our mission is to help people, help physicians be more self-aware and, and, and know when they're starting to get into the red zone there. And if we can do that, then, then there's a chance that they can reach out for help, and, and that, that's a good thing. Well, your ideas, uh, Doug, have prompted me to desire to see many, many doctors 
raised up as reflective people who can become facilitators of groups at their own hospitals or in their own practices who can actually create the kind of space that you're talking about and be able to do that organically at their hospitals and in their practices. I would love to see that. Me too. Uh, as we wrap up, uh, what else would you like to tell our listeners or anything else on your mind? If you want to know more about our program, we have two websites reflecting our different missions. So the, our physician work can be found at physicians.luminos.org. And then if you're interested in the, just the overall organization, it's just Luminos. You do great work, and I really appreciate uh, what you do, and I've enjoyed getting to know you a bit, and uh, we certainly desire the same kinds of things, to have physicians who are healthy, functioning to the optimum performance of their own potential and gifts and strengths, and impacting patients for the kingdom of God and advancing the kingdom of God. So thanks for being part of that. Yeah, and thank you, Steve, and thanks for the work of your organization as well. I really see us as partners in this work together. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Doug Wysocki Johnson as much as I did. Once again, if you wish to find out more about the work of Luminos in the space of physician well-being, visit the website physicians.luminos.org. That's physicians.luminos, L-U-M-U-N-O-S, dot O-R-G. Once again, our Christian Center for Well-Being seeks to help healthcare professionals align with God, optimize their well-being, and maximize their influence. If you wish to advance your own well-being, please visit cmda.org coaching in order to connect with one of our professionally certified coaches for doctors. If you wish to learn more about coaching where you can help other doctors and other healthcare professionals by learning the skills and tools of coaching, please join us at Cannon Beach January 23 and 24, just prior to the West Coast Conference. Until next time, this is Dr. Steve Sartori reminding you to live well and lead well. This podcast has been a production of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. The opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily endorsed by the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. CMDA is a nonpartisan organization that does not endorse political parties or candidates for public office. The views expressed on this podcast reflect judgments regarding principles and values held by CMDA and its members and are not intended to imply endorsement of any political party or candidate.